Welcome to GOB with Christy and Kathy, where we talk about writing, reading, and life in between. I'm Christy in South Florida. I'm Kathy in South Dakota. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and crime fiction. We have interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors on our Corks and Conversation episodes. And don't forget our Words in Progress episodes where we have fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us for today's episode. Welcome to Corks and Conversation with Linda Hurtado-Bond. Yes, I am so excited to talk to her today. So, you know, Kathy, she's a Florida author. I know yes. you're, you're jealous of us. <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, but she's from the West Coast, but it's still kind of local to me. Well, right. A lot more local than it is to me. <laughs> <laughs> and she's also a TV journalist, a very award-winning one, and a crime fiction author. So we know that works out to be a great combination. <laughs> right, right. So before we start asking her all the questions, let me tell everyone a little bit more about her. Yes, please. Okay. So by day, Linda Hurtado Bond is an Emmy and Edward <laughs> R. Murrow award-winning journalist. By night, she's an author of James Bond-like adventures and heart-stopping thrillers. Linda met her husband on assignment in Cuba, and then 20-some years later, they've raised a doctor, a nurse, a pilot, a paramedic, firefighter, and an aspiring psychologist. So yeah, we're going to be taken care of. (laughs) (laughs) So um, she's also a breast cancer survivor, way to go, and she's active in Tampa community raising money and awareness. And then when not working, she finds time for her passions. Her husband, Jorge, who we just met, world travel, classic movies, and solving a good mystery. Yes. Yes. So her latest book, All the Broken Girls, which I have back there, which you probably can't It's a beautiful cover. My little phone thing. It is um, a beautiful cover. Yeah. Thank you. I love the cover. I do too. I love it. And it came out to rave reviews, like mm-hmm. this one that I want to tell you from Kirkus Reviews, that is exactly what we liked about it. A gripping thriller grounded in the complexities of family and strengthened by characters, vibrant personalities. And it's so true. You know, you, yeah. you get to know the characters. Mm-hmm. So Linda, it is so nice to have you here with us today. Thank you, ladies. I love the idea of just pouring a nice little glass of wine after work. Cheers. Ooh, and cheers. T- talking books, because this is just what I, writing books, uh, TV, anything you guys want to talk about, because um, this is what I love to do. Nice to meet both of you. Nice Wonderful to have you. Okay, so right. let's talk about the wine. Should we just get into it? So sure. we always <laughs> ask the authors what their preference is, and Linda chose a buttery Chardonnay, she said. So tell me, is that your favorite? Yes. And I, so I always, whenever we go to a restaurant, I always ask for their suggestion for a buttery Chardonnay because it's very mm. rare, I think, to find a good buttery Chardonnay. And I just like the rich flavor of it. So tonight I'm just, I'm drinking um, buttercream Chardonnay. It's like $14. It's got the screw cap. It's easy. I, and I'll be honest, I, it's release week, right? And so I, I'm <laughs> crazy. I'm working at Fox. I'm working on releasing a book and I didn't have time. So I just ran through, you know, the discount wine store and, and grabbed it. So, um, but I, my, I love to just go to new restaurants, right. And ask them to recommend it 
a buttery Chardonnay because then you get to taste a little bit of what they think the best is. And, and that's kind of fun. Yes, yeah. for sure. I love that. I am having just a Robert Mondavi. Nice. Chardonnay. And I, 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 a friend of mine brought it over actually for a dinner party recently. And I was so excited. I was like, I'm hanging out of that Chardonnay because it hadn't gotten finished. <laughs> and it is just smooth. Like it's not super sweet. Mm. It's just very smooth. And I like, that's why I like your buttery description. I yes. haven't really heard about the buttery description. I love that. Smooth is so another way to say it. We have total wine down here. Mm-hmm. I think doesn't have that up there. I, I think don't. that's a total wine, isn't it? Buttercream. It is total wine. That's my little favorite discount wine store that is on Dale Mabry that I can hop in <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> I yeah. love it. You <laughs> know, I we love it. We love it. A budget wine. I mean, I, when you yes. can get a budget wine, like a, like you say, $14 a bottle and it tastes delicious, why would you spend any more, you know? I'll like a rich wine too. <laughs> Normally when I'm out to dinner, you know, and we're at, yeah. at a fancy restaurant, um, but, you know, just chilling at home. Yeah, you know, exactly. This is good. Perfect exactly. for a book conversation. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So Christy, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking from the, it's Bellavino. It's not actually, it might have a Chardonnay grape in it, but it is from Cooper's Hawk. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Cooper's Hawk. Yes. And so a friend of mine got me a membership there. And so, you know, I was there the other day doing a little tasting and um, I liked it. So I got it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Cooper's nice. Hawk is where me and my, some of my writer friends meet. I can't imagine really? why. <laughs> well, yeah. for lunch, you know, when the ladies why. lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I can see why you get so much writing done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we talked about the wine. That's obviously very important. But the next thing is Linda's beautiful book, All the Broken Girls. Yay. It's Yay. such a great cover, like we talked about. So, Linda, I want to give, before we get into questions, let's give everybody a little, a little taste of what's going on here. This book involves Cuban-American crime writer, uh, Mari Alvarez. Am I pronouncing Mari correctly? You are, yes. Okay. Mari rhymes with sorry. That's right. Which she tells a detective, which you will be if you mispronounce my name again. (laughs) I love that scene. I thought that was such a cool way to let your reader know how it's pronounced, but in the narrative and showed who she was. I love that. But she is on a personal hunt for a killer um, who leaves a a broken doll at every scene and something different with the doll at each scene. And it is reminiscent of something from her past that's unsolved that really triggers her. Um, She is about very quickly to become the killer's uh, main focus and prey. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she is going to need more than the, the charm that her abuela and sis will protect her and if you look carefully at this gorgeous cover you'll see that charm hanging at the end of his name I love that so she also is working with detective Tony Garcia which Mm -hmm. is a great uh relationship that we'll get into (laughs) um and he needs a little more than a superstitious journalist hunch that (laughs) there's a serial killing serial killer like in the Tampa area he wants some proof, right? Because he's a hard-boiled cop. And so they're working against the clock. And all the while, they are exploring this old-world Cuban, Afro-Cuban religion, which I just can't wait to talk to you about. So anyway, that should be enough to get everybody interested in buying this book, because it is 
<laughs> There's so much there, so many layers. So let's start talking about this fascinating old world Cuban religion, Santeria. Yes. How did you learn about this? Tell us about this. So I guess my fascination with it began, um, yeah, my father's Hispanic, but I'm not Cuban American. So Jorge is, and I, I married into the family. And when my, uh, my daughter Jackie was a baby, she got sick and I came and brought her over to Abuela's house, which is where I am right now. And she uh, said to me, someone's giving Jackie the evil eye. And that's the first time I heard that. And I'm like, the evil eye, what is that? And she explained to me what it is. It's either the intentional or unintentional ill will of others kind of cast upon someone. And in the Cuban American uh, tradition, they generally give uh, babies what's called an azabachi charm, that black gemstone to wear. And it's supposed to protect them from the evil eye, the ill will of others. So my mother-in-law brought a little prayer out and said it and was telling me all about this. And Jackie got better. The fever went away. So I've always been really fascinated by that. And when I decided to write, if, if you study religions or uh, communities around the world, the Jewish religion, um, the Islamic religion, uh, they all have a version of the evil eye. I just mm -hmm. went to Turkey um, finally after two years of COVID on a cruise <laughs> and everywhere in Turkey, you see the evil eye, right? So it's, yeah. it's um, everywhere, but each community or each culture has kind of a different story behind it. And for the Cuban Americans, it's the Asabachi charm. So I knew that that was going to play a big part in the book uh, because Mari is a very modern girl, but she is very close to her abuela. And so her abuela kind of grew up practicing Santeria kind of in the back room, you oh. know, because it's still kind of something that um, general society doesn't talk about or accept or they'd have too many questions. So she has one foot in kind of this old world religion and one foot in modern day, uh, you know, the Catholic church. And she's seen so many things growing up that she can't explain. So there is, she does believe it. And it does play an important part in the book, but I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to give it away. No, no, we don't want to give <laughs> yeah, it away. Yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, when you mentioned that your own daughter was ill, there's nothing mm -hmm. scarier than having a sick baby. Yes. And so I can only imagine the power that that had on you when you, because when you have a sick baby and your mom, like there's nothing right. in the world that would stop you from anything to help your baby. Exactly. And you'll, I mean, you'll try the prayer, you'll try, you'll try it, right? You know, but I, I was just really fascinated by that whole idea that someone could wish you ill will or your baby ill will, um, maybe even unintentionally, like they do like you, but there's that, uh, that negativity that comes from one person to another that you can't control, right? right. Or can you? That's the whole question. Yeah. So did you have to do a lot of research like after that to make sure you got it right? Or did you just ask yes. your, right? <laughs> well, you know, so my abuela doesn't, she's, she's not a Santeria. She doesn't practice Santeria. It's just kind of one of those things in the Cuban American um, culture that it's there. Right. It's like so the periphery, to, you know, like, right, yeah. right. So to find out more about it, because I'm a reporter, I reached out to a, a professor of religion at the university of South Florida here in Tampa and she's an expert in Santeria, has studied it, has written about it, has been quoted in newspaper articles oh, as an wow. expert. And so I asked her if, first of all, I could just interview her and kind of pick her brain for a couple of scenes. And then if she would read the book and make sure, because it was very important to me to present it in this book 
um, in a non-judgmental way. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just a part of the community uh, and that's it. You know, there's no judgment here. And so, but because I'm a journalist, I also wanted to make sure that it was, I was uh, portraying it correctly. Oh, and so, right. And so she read the book and, and made some suggestions and helped me kind of tweak some of the scenes. And I felt really good, even, especially when the reviews started coming out because people in the community said, you know, you nailed it, you're, you're right on, you know? And so I, I guess that's the journalist in me, right? Like I just had to do my research and my homework first. You're making me want to take a sip of wine. <laughs> I know, right? So I, when you said that, you, you, you talked to the professor and then you, were you nervous when you sent it, sent those sections off to her for her review? No, because I actually talked to her first and so she was, to, I interviewed her first. So she was giving me all sorts of scenarios mm. and details. And so when I crafted the chapters, I, I was coming off the notes I took from her. So really what I was looking for at that point was just a confirmation that it was all factually correct. Oh. And, and she was very appreciative of that because often Santeria is portrayed in kind of a very dark light and it, and it really shouldn't be. I mean, there's a whole other wing of it called Brujeria, which is a different thing. But um, Santeria, usually when you pray to your Orisha or your saint, I mean, you're wishing for something good, either for yourself or your family, for someone else. It's a positive thing. Right. Now, mm-hmm. do you think, um, I, because, you, you know, you have children that are in the younger generation, has, has Santeria kind of transferred over to the U.S. Oh. and the Cuban family? No, I, I'd say it's old school. I, I wouldn't say the younger generation uh, it, practice it, it very much and maybe in Miami or different but but in the Cuban American community around here I would say no they certainly know about it but I they still think it might it, be but it's like yes. oh, that's what grandma does or whatever right. <laughs> right. so was that the gym or what was like the the like that little thing that got this story going well that and the fact that my publisher so my first three books are romantic suspense mm-hmm. because I grew up reading romance I mean I started with Judy Bloom and then oh. you know went to um Kathleen Woodwist and all of the, you know, old school romance yeah. authors. I read them all. In fact, you know, kind of a funny story. My my mom went to my teacher one time and said, oh my gosh, my daughter's reading like four romance novels a week. What do I do? This is awful. <laughs> and, you know, the teacher is like, well, she's reading four books a week. Oh my gosh, just let her read, you know, yeah, like- she'll grow out of it. She'll survive. She'll be fine. And so I grew up on that. And I always just loved that whole idea of meeting that person Mm -hmm. that you can't forget. Right. And what is it about that person as opposed to somebody else that sticks in your mind and you can't let go of? And so for me, romance is just very much a part of everybody's life all day long. And I loved writing it. But my publisher uh, in Entangled came to me and said, and they're a romance, I mean, they're basically, they do YA and fantasy and romance. So they're kind of a boutique publisher. And, but they said to me, we think you have a voice for a thriller and we're looking to shelve some thrillers. So would you be willing to write a serial killer thriller? So really up until that point, I never really thought about going to the dark side and writing <laughs> about a serial killer um, until they suggested it. And I thought, well, you know, sure. Um, and the fact that they said it would be a mass market paperback helped. So uh, I was like, all right, let me think. let's, let's, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's give it a try. So they gave me some guidelines and they, you know, they told me they wanted the, the female to be the lead. She had to solve the crime. And so I had to come up with a, a reason that a reporter would be able to solve a crime that a homicide detective would not. 
And so I used her culture and her knowledge of a specific culture to help her see the clues that are in plain sight, but that maybe if you're not in that culture, you don't see. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that was actually my, my next question was like, how did you transition into that? But I kind of like how you kept a little romance. Right. I mean, not to give anything away, but you know. Right. What what is life without romance? What is life without excitement um, of seeing somebody again? What is life without uh, being inspired by someone and uh, and meeting someone who believes in you? And maybe it's that point they're the only person that believes in you. So all of that is romance right and so it's in every thriller men just don't want to admit it there's always <laughs> that thread there's always that thread right there and, is. And, and so i, was, so now, I wanted that to be in there to, um conferences for both romance and thriller i have mystery I, I was a RWA junkie for years, loved Romance Writers of America. They taught me how to write. They introduced me to my agent. Uh, I got hooked up with Entangled through RWA and networked and met so many fabulous authors. Wouldn't be where I am today without RWA, which again is Romance Writers of America because it's such a a great network. Um, But then when I transitioned, I went for the first time to Thriller Writers in New York last, uh, this, this past June. And it was such a fabulous conference. And, you know, we, we come off two years of being in COVID hell and, and so nobody could go to these writers conferences, right. And see people and actually, yeah. you know, hang out at the bar and talk and do all the fun stuff we like to do at conferences. So <laughs> I was, I was really blown away. And then, you know, a local author in Tampa, St. Pete area, Lisa Unger is like oh, the yes. co-president of the international mm-hmm. thriller writers. And I've interviewed her before as a reporter. And so I knew her. And so it just, it all lined up. I brought a couple of my writer friends with me and we ended up having just a fabulous time. And so now that I'm writing thrillers, I'll probably go back to that conference next year because I do think for anyone who wants to be a writer, you must, must, must go to these conferences because number one, you have to learn, you have to learn more about your craft. You're never so good that you can't get better. And that you, there's an opportunity at these conferences to, to improve your craft, but also network, network, network. And that networking I did at Thriller Fest has helped me in my launch so much. I met a fabulous author, John Land, and he writes thrillers. Yes, I'm coming out with Heather Graham. And we talked and I told him about my book coming out. He said, send it to me, you know, I'll review it. And oh my gosh, he reviewed it, you know, and it's, it's right. on a book trip. And, you know, so I can't even ex- express how important I think that these uh, writers' yeah. conferences are, no matter what genre you're in, yeah. because it's your lifeline, don't you think? Like, it's your lifeline. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we met, Kathy and I met at a writing conference. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's where we meet up a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, where right. we go, which, which conference are we going to go to? I mean, pandemic aside. <laughs> right. Well, it is, right. and it, it's wonderful to see, um, we were at Thriller Fest as well, by the way. So we could have just been passing in the hallway. I um, know. Because it's such a big, huge conference. And it, it is, is fabulous. But I didn't you feel the joy that everyone had to be back this year? Oh, yes. We missed you our know? tribe, didn't we? We missed <clears> our <throat> tribe. Like um, writers, I think writing by nature is so isolating. Like when you're in the trenches on deadline, yeah. you know, you got you to gotta sit alone in a room and write. Yeah. And so these conferences are a gathering of people that spend a lot of time isolated. And so when we get together, it's like so joyous and fun, yeah. you know, they're just fun. 
Yeah. And yep. I, you know, it's so cool too, because a lot of writers who, obviously there's a reason that writers enjoy working on their own. Right. You know, so there's some part of that, that collective personality where we like to work on our own, but everyone kind of knows that. And so everyone knows how um, exciting it is and, and exhausting it is to be together. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, and everyone goes back to their little caves for a while. Well, I like that, yeah, that a lot of people, true. you know, when you can afford it, you, yeah. you start getting your own room at these conferences because you right in the beginning you know you're four people to a room because new york is ridiculously expensive, expensive and right mm-hmm. so but once you can afford it you want that room to yourself because you just when you know when your um social meter <laughs> is full right you need to retreat yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay speaking of our meters we need to have a little a little drink to refresh our meters while christy asks you a question called the question in the bottle Oh, oh, okay. Question that happens at the bottom of the bottle. <laughs> oh, wow. That's generally a, always an interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Okay. When someone finds out what you do or where you are from, what question do they ask you? How much money do you make? <gasps> really? It's always the first question. Are you kidding? About it, journalism? No, I am writing? not. Both. Both. They so, ask you that? Flat out, yes. And that would be for both? For oh, both. For both. Like you, I think for journalism, because they assume all TV news anchors are, you know, multimillionaires. Yeah, and if I right. if if I was, I I'd be living in Mar-a-Lago or something. You know, it's um and then with writers, I think they're all fascinated. Like, how do you make a living as a mm. writer? And I tell so, you know, when, you when they ask me <laughs> right, when they yeah. ask me about TV news, I just say, none of your business. And when they ask me about writing, I say, don't do it to be rich or famous because you won't be either, probably. So you better just write because it's your passion. Yeah, you, <laughs> you must know, love it. it. Yeah. I can't believe that was your, I'm shocked that that was your answer. I am yeah. totally shocked. And then the TV. Like, oh, did you ever meet so-and-so? Yeah, or... that's what I thought too. <laughs> that's the second question. You know, who is the most interesting person you interviewed or the most interesting yeah. story you've done so for the interesting story I've done it would be um in 1997 I went to Cuba to cover uh the trip of Pope John Paul II uh, Fidel Castro invited the Pope to come to Cuba and the reason it was such a great thing for Tampa is there's this huge Cuban American community that lives here and and so my husband's parents hadn't been back in 30 years you know they left with nothing but the clothes on their back and so Fidel Castro kind of opened up or, or lessen the restrictions and allow Cuban families to come back and visit their relatives because during, that, you know, he, during, during the Pope visit, visit. Yes. Okay. Because you know, it's a publicity stunt. So, but whatever these families were like taking advantage of, they haven't seen relatives in 30 years. And so my husband's family was one of them. And the reason I, I picked us to do a story on his family is because there were four brothers and two of them decided to go back on that trip with their parents because they wanted to see Cuba through their parents' eyes. They'd never seen Cuba. And they were afraid that, you know, it'd be another 30 years and their parents would be dead. So they wanted to go. But the other two brothers refused to go as long as any Castro or communism was in, still in charge of the island. So you thought the because, split then. Yes. How did you find this revolution? family? Because you didn't know At your husband Paul- at this point. No, you know, I like to say that it was divine fate because we had a meeting at St. Paul's Catholic Church with all of the families. And the person who sat down next to me was my husband, Jorge. And he started talking to me about his family. And I was like, oh, that's my story. The, the revolution is dividing families decades after it ended. And, and, and 
that was the beginning. You know, it was so we met in the Catholic Church uh, and on a visit with Pope John Paul II and Fidel Castro. So I like to say it was divine intervention. <laughs> right? Absolutely. I'm, I'm in on that belief. No That's wonder you're yeah. <laughs> Right. So to finish the story, though, because I have read the story, I've read the interview. Actually, I read the um, the interview did with Hank on um, oh, okay. uh -huh. Jungle Red Writers. Jungle Red, I, yes. I wanted, to, yeah. I wanted to ask you to tell the story because it is breathtaking. We so we came to we came we arrived in Cuba and I followed his family to um, their little farm town outside of outside of the city of Havana, and when we got there it was dark, and we came in and remember they hadn't seen each other in thirty years so of course the emotion was just powerful and there's hugging and there's kissing but there was a surprise so one of the relatives um, had been taking care of Jorge's brother uh, at the time that they left. And she had kept a little red shirt uh, under her bed all these years. It was the last thing he wore the day, you know, they left Cuba and they didn't know that he was coming back. And so when he walked in the door and they told him who this adult was, she just lost it, the tears. And she goes back into the bedroom and pulls out the little red shirt and it's perfectly pressed. And, and he had on a red shirt uh, because he had heard the story and sure enough, there it was. And so I mean, I don't know how you don't fall in love with the family after you see that because right. it was so powerful. I mean, most Americans have no idea what it's like to be separated from their family for 30 years. Right. And and then um, and to cherish and love a memory so much, you keep it preserved in your bedroom Three for decades. all that time. De yeah. Decades. Yeah. That's amazing. So that was my beginning of my love affair with Cuba and of course with Jorge's family and then ultimately with Jorge. And so that it was important to me to um, kind of showcase diverse characters in this diverse community uh, in, in my thriller, which entangled embraced because they embrace diversity. And mm. um, I just wanted to, I wanted to introduce my readers to just the wonderful West Tampa Cuban American community and their love for family and their traditions. And that this book gave me a chance to do that. So it is a whodunit and it is a follow the clues and see if you can guess. Yeah. It is all of those things, but it's also, I think, a, a, a love note to, you know, your the love of family and cherish that. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. lovely. I marked many things in your book, but one of my favorite things was the page prior to chapter one that says broken girls blossom mm. into warriors. I took my breath yeah. away. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that for a lot of reasons, because, you know, as a breast cancer survivor, mm. I, I hear that a lot from women. They feel broken. Um, so, I mean, you're surgically changed forever. I was. Others are, too. And you feel broken in that moment. But once you grab your power back, you really do blossom into an, a warrior and into an advocate. And then you're strong and you survive this great thing and um, you help others behind you. And so I kind of wanted that to be Mari's mission, too. She's a broken girl. Her sister's a broken girl. Um, there are a mm -hmm. lot of broken girls in this book. But in the end, she blossoms into a warrior. And so I kind of want that to be a theme also to young women who are reading the book that mm. um, you can go through the most difficult times, but they will teach you to be strong and you will blossom into a warrior. And then you're the warrior who helps the next broken girl mm. get to that place as well. You're such an inspiration. That's that awesome. Is, that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
I know um, Christy was going to ask this, so I'm sorry, Christy, I'm stepping on you, but before we go, That's can like you tell us quickly how you, not quickly, how you got from <laughs> journalism <laughs> to writing and what you're working on now? I wanted to add real quick because I was going to say that she has won like 13 Emmys as we uh, I mean, a new anchor. So that that is like amazing. So amazing. Anyway, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I really started as a fiction writer. I was that kid in, in high school that always had a notebook, kind of the nerd with a notebook um, <laughs> that I would always carry around to jot things down. And I went to a performing arts school, but not for dance or for singing. I went, uh, I went part time for creative writing. So I always oh. had the bug to write, but I just never thought you could make it as an author. And so yeah when I was trying to figure out like what I was going to do with my life, I thought, well, what do I like to do? I grew up in the theater. So there's that performing. I liked, you know, I'm a writer. I like current events. I always want to be where the action is. So all of those things together kind of led me to journalism. And once I, I started in journalism, you know, it's a hard field to break into too. And so it took years of, you know, my first job, I was in like the 150th market making like $13,000 a year. And I'm, you know, barely affording French fries. So, <laughs> the focus at that point was on like surviving and making yeah. it in the world of journalism. So I kind of put that fantasy about fiction away. But when I finally got to Tampa, got settled in, was making decent money. And I felt like I had roots down in a, in a city. And I, I joined a writer's, I joined an RWA writer's group, right? Like the local one and started going to meetings and, and, and started uh, realizing I had to learn the craft again, because writing television news where you teach you tell a story in two minutes is definitely different than yeah. writing a 400 page novel. And so I spent years just learning the craft, going to the RWA and just taking workshops. And, um, you know, Margie Larson, you probably have heard of her. I went to her writing yeah. retreat, like all the big names in the business that Lisa Cron, that, like have really, I think uh, caught, just caught, caught onto something. I it's, love Lisa Right. Cron. Yes. We were just like, talking about her on our I actually, yes. I worked with her for the last six months as a book coach. She is. She, she's on to something. She's, she's definitely on to something. Woman. Yes. yes, she is. Yeah. So you learn your craft and then, you know, I did everything that you guys did. I went to RWA. I got in line. I pitched to the agents. I pitched to editors. You know, I paid my dues, right? Like I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it got better with every book. Like when Entangled signed me for my first book. I was like, I really should have paid them because I was awful. <laughs> and, you know, the Nina Bruins was my editor and she's fabulous. She's written, I don't 30 some books and she, I love her books. And so she was my editor and I was like, so thankful for that. And I'm then, you know, I changed editors and now I'm with Robin, Robin Hasseltine and we have a great relationship and I really just, I enjoy the whole process. Um, but you get better, you grow, you know that. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, um, it's steps that she, you take and we all do it and that's why we appreciate it we get together at the bar at you know these writers conferences come, girl <laughs> let me tell you you know we've all been there right? yeah yeah time for the final question Christy gets all the fun questions have you noticed that linda <laughs> i'm just realizing that you get all the fun questions hey look i write the script that's, that's, <laughs> that's true <laughs> okay i should take it i should take a drink of wine if yes, it's gonna probably. be a fun question right yeah, take it <laughs> take too. a drink of wine Okay. All right. So um, this this appeases our what we used to call mysterious foodies. You know, some of our <laughs> listeners out there that are foodies as well. Okay. 
And uh, the question is, which of your characters would you like to share a meal with and what would it be? Oh, which of my characters? Well, it would have to be Abuela Benita, of <sighs> course, because I mean. she's the grandmother and she's, you know, she's like Abuela Fina, who, who is a real person. And she's a fabulous cook. I mean, fabulous cook. And so her, her Cuban and the Noche Buena feast that they make, um, so it would have to be her. I mean, no one can I mean, compete with her. Her Black Beans won a uh, local contest here in Ybor City, and she won a trip to Costa Rica because of it. So that tells you right there how wow. good cook she is. Well, you're happy, so why yeah. would, yeah. Why would I eat my yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would that sign up for that meal. I'm just saying, if there was such a thing. <laughs> I would totally She's the best. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so our listeners are going to listen to this, and they're going to want to know more about you and how to reach out to you. What's the best way? So author Linda Hurtado Bond is my social media or author Linda Bond. Uh, the Bond because my uncle's James Bond. I love not, the Bond. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he was a law professor, not a hunky movie actor, but it just kind of fit right if you write thrillers. Um, right. So, and if you want to follow me as a journalist, you can look at for Fox 13's Linda Hurtado. Uh, my social media is separate, but sometimes they cross over. Uh, so anyway, you can follow me on both. I guess that means that's the end, right? Yeah. I, just <laughs> I was like, well, Perfect. all we have to do is thank you so much for joining and us. And cheers to you. Know, we have to do another cheers. cheers. So Thriller Fest, are you guys going this year to Thriller Fest? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, we have to meet and have a drink in person at Thriller Fest, promise. Absolutely. 100%. Promise. Okay. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can watch and listen. On gameofbookspodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter and enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you that we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers. Cheers.